0: Although my two guests have been in education and known each other since the mid-1990s, this year has been the most challenging in their careers. This week's guests, Adam DeWitt and Jeffrey Prickett, share how during this difficult time, they've leaned heavily on each other and their professional learning network to work through the daily adversity and grow as leaders. Join us as they share their connected leadership journey and how their friendship strengthened their skills, values, and contributions to the educational profession. In this episode, we discuss tactics to increase student engagement, how to support teachers through difficult times, the benefits of being forced to be innovative, and the Principal Leadership Lab podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Stamper. I have two magnificent principals with me, Adam and Jeff. Thank you so much
1: for joining me tonight. Thanks for having us on. It's been a couple, couple days or weeks of getting this all situated, so we appreciate your patience.
2: Yeah, we are we are thrilled to be here, finally. We, we can all get in the same room, so to speak. So to speak,
0: it, right, virtually. But, gentlemen, I, I love talking with you. I had the amazing opportunity to be on your guys' podcast, and we're definitely going to touch on that yeah. tonight. Um, I'm excited about your podcast and what you're doing right now uh, for our, our leadership Listeners and so, before we dive into all those different topics, I'd love to hear about your leadership journey. So, Adam, if you wouldn't mind, I want to know about you know how you became a leader, but then also how did you meet this this crazy guy Jeff in the in the mid '90s? <laughs> I'll start
1: with a little bit of my leadership journey, and then I'll, I'll I'll kick off the story. And just like anything that I share with my wife, I'll let Jeff fill in the truth part, or at least. <laughs> The truth is, <laughs>
2: this is going to be interesting because I've, we've never done this before, so I'm sure Adam has a very skewed version of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like so many times, that when we talk on our, our leadership lab, or even when I just talk to teachers or students in my existing buildings or in previous bu- buildings, I think that leadership is much more than just a, a title or a moniker, or I've, I've got my master's in educational leadership. I think that the the skill set that comes along with being a leader is developed much earlier than maybe any of us had ever prepared for. And I would go all the way back to the early years of my grade school years. My mother, every single day would say to my sister and me, as we would get ready to go down the driveway, we had a long driveway down to our bus. And she would always say, remember to always do your best. And then, you know, we had to respond because she would say, remember to always do your, and then we'd have to yell back best. Well, I was in high school. My sister was in high school. We still had to ride the bus cause we didn't have a car at that time. So I don't know if I was quite 16 yet, but I was young for my class. I was a junior and not driving yet. So I was 16 in September of my junior year. So I was behind the times in terms of driving, but my mom, one day we, we were running late. So my sister and I hopped out the door and ran down the driveway And my mom yelled, remember to always do your, and I looked at my sister. I'm like, stop yelling it. It's time. We're old enough. We don't need to yell back to mom. (laughs) So we got down to the bus stop and the bus I could see coming down the road. And at that same time, I could also hear my mom's old Mercury Monarch coming down our gravel driveway. I'm like, what did you forget your lunch? What's going on? Oh no. And you know, bus drivers, they love parents. So the bus driver didn't let us on because my mom was flagging that bus driver saying, don't open the door. So there she was in her nightgown and reminding us to always do our, and she wouldn't let us go on with this great big mama bear hug until both of us said best with all of my friends stuck to the windows, laughing at us. So I think the leadership journey begins with parenting. And I don't even think it has to be good parenting. The skills that we learn in each of those situations can be applied to leadership throughout our life. So, the, the foundation of my leadership journey started with my mom and uh, just to always know that my best has to be good enough for whoever's asking, because that's all I can give is my best. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to live by that. I've tried to pass it along to my students. Uh, it's not easy because there are days when you go to work and you don't always feel like you're up to your, you know, you're not going to give a full nine innings some days. That's what it feels like. But those little things become habits. It's, it's been there for quite some time. So I would say it starts way, way, way early leadership journey. And then it was formalized, maybe even crystallized through uh, teaching and following some other good leaders and, and listening. And again, not all what you would consider through like some kind of a rubric style grading of principals, but principles that had strong insights and maybe they didn't fit the mold of what Marzano or Reeves or what somebody would say is a good principal, but they were strong and they gave good pieces of advice from here and there. And uh, some of them were my own principals, Some of them were from other schools and it, it paid off. So listening, And then of course, going through a process of formalizing leadership through master's degrees and and meeting other people. But then that was, I would say, it's funny, you know, you spend so much money on getting a degree. I would say that's a small portion of it. Hmm. Once I got through those phases, and then I learned as well that there's this thing called Twitter in like 2007. And I've learned more from people like Josh and others on the Teach Better team and former students that Jeff and I have reconnected with, all because of social media. Mm -hmm. So my leadership journey has been informal to formal. And then I think it's become even more robust as of late because of the development of my PLN over the period of several years now. For sure. That's kind of my leadership journey. I don't want to take, you know, since we're sharing this time, Jeff, I don't want to take that. So. is it okay if Jeff shares his leadership journey now? And then we talk about our time together, or Jeff, why don't you take us right up to that time? And then I'll Mm. take over if you want to hear my side of the story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Josh, I mean, so thrilled to be on, first of all, you know, Adam and I are both, I know I speak for him as well. You know, it's, it's interesting the leadership journey because, you know, Adam obviously had a, a, you know, strong parental figures in his life, pushing him and not, not to say that I didn't, but definitely, was was not a push there and i just think maybe the adults in my life were not in a place where they knew that I should be pushed, <laughs> you know, that they that they should be pushing me. And so I I really think that um, and I always say it, you know, when people ask, for example, like who are your who are your role models? You know, who who are the people that you model your leadership style after? And and uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's a lot of the people who I've learned to look at and study and watch and say, I'm never gonna be like that. <laughs> you know, I'm always gonna do something differently than that. I'm al- I'm never gonna treat somebody like that. And so even before that, you know, I, I never, never would have seen myself as a the leader. There was a lot of imposter syndrome going on for me. For a long period of time, like not understanding that um, I had a voice and could use that voice and that people wanted to hear that voice, you know? So so the teaching thing came came along after many, many years and, and, and uh, actually a few years out of high school where I didn't even know what I wanted to do, just floating around my local community college before I went to Judson University, which is where... Uh, Adam and I both went, although we didn't know each other then, right? So oh. we, so we both went to the same university, but didn't know each other. It was a, it was a different. I don't even know if we crossed paths. Adam did. We? I don't uh, think so. Yeah, you were don't a think so. And
1: I lived on campus.
2: Yeah, yeah. So because I lived right in town there. Um, my I had met my wife, and she was the one who said, you know what, you're really good with kids because she had, you know, we have a very blended family, you know, we have, I have two, two stepdaughters, two biological kids, and then four adopted kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, we've talked about this before. Yeah. So, so, and she said to me one day, you know what, you're really good with kids because I had long hair at the time, and I would let the girls braid it. <laughs> I was in a couple of rock bands, and so um, I was like, yeah, you know what, I guess I could, you know, I guess I am. And so 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 from there, man, I just, it just, it just took off. You know, I, I went through all the courses and all the way up to this, uh, Time in my life where you know I got a job a, an hour and a half away from home my very first year of teaching, um, and said that's enough, you know. But I just, you know, you need to get that first job to get your foot in the door. Second year of teaching, I apply closer to home, and lo and behold, uh, Adam is on the other side of the interview table with the principal. Um, that's one of my he... only mistakes that I've ever made, <laughs> <laughs> it
0: just happened to be your just, biggest,
2: <laughs> just happened to be the biggest, the only biggest and only. And uh, and and you know what, I went in there and I I feel like I remember that interview, and I feel like I was a little cocky because I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in here and wing it and be like, you know what? I already have a job. If I don't get this one, I didn't I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they called me back and, and hired me, and uh, Adam and I taught together for the next four years. Different grade levels. He taught fifth. I taught sixth. And uh, you know, a lot of great, a lot of great memories and experiences there. And he was, uh, you know, he was kind of the one who always was first in thinking. You know, like, like, um, you know, hey, have you read this? And then I thought, well, no. Maybe I should be reading that, and I would go out and get it, and and then and then try to show him up with something, you know. So he, there was always this competitive edge that, which really always drove me in a good way, you know, sure. a very good competitive edge. We drove each other, and yeah, man, that's and then you know the master's degree, then the doctoral degree, just uh, finished that uh, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. There, there we are.
0: Yeah. So yep. you guys have seen a lot together. I mean, obviously going mm-hmm. from the '90s till now. But, you know, we are in a time that no one has ever seen before with the pandemic. And I know you guys are seeing some struggles, but also some really good things that are happening within your schools. And so I just want to have an opportunity for you guys to share that out as far as what you're seeing and also mm-hmm. some, some of the things that maybe um, are practices that you're going to keep maybe moving forward. So, Adam, I'll, I'll let you start. Is there anything good
1: coming from this time that's really odd <laughs> <laughs> within education? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think in in every situation, no matter how tough it is, there's always the toughness and the sadness, and then there's the good things that come from it. Uh, we have to continue to push through the difficult times in order to get to the other side. And I think that this pandemic is one of those instances. Uh, Jeff and I talk about this. It's come up several times for our own episode mm-hmm. on the Leadership Lab, and we never want to downplay that how terrible it is. People have lost their lives. I've lost a good friend. My daughter has another friend right now that's in the hospital mm-hmm. receiving fluids and care due to COVID and she's 23. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not something that impacts one group of people or one person or whatever. So uh, I never want to think that, oh, these are the good things. And boy, I sure wish we would have had a pandemic sooner to get there. But I think that we it's responsible. To take the good things out of this to make those the memories that we have yeah. so enough about the bad things <laughs> the good things has forced us because we didn't have a platform before to teach remotely and i don't think that the integration of technology is going to solve our educational woes i don't think i don't think technology and i think there's research to support that but yep. it's not going to fix the gaps that we have in learning from different groups of students to different learning groups of students it's just not going to do it but i do think that it does in rural america like uh, northeast wisconsin it has the potential to flatten the distance between the haves and have nots in terms of learning we can continue to teach to a large group of students in a class of 25 but now with online learning, I don't have to be that student in the back of the class that knows that I have a learning disability and raise my hand all the time and say, I don't get it. you know. So that teacher can provide um, specific instruction or specific practice to that student, that big tough football player in high school, and nobody knows what they're working on because it's in their own Google classroom or Canvas or whatever platform that school is using. So I think the good things are that we've learned to specialize our instruction and to provide the needs of the student before the curriculum maybe for the first time as a collective Mm. i mean it's always happened we've always had excellent teachers in america but this time i think we've had to do it we we, you know some of my veteran teachers that were like "Eh, i don't know if i really need this i don't need the google classroom you know last year and the year before and also we said yeah uh, by the Mm. end of the month (laughs) you're going to have your google classroom developed so that if we do go remote learning you're ready to go your students aren't going to miss a step and that's been difficult, but now their comments are like, wow, I, we should have done this sooner. you know. So there's some things that have caused us to change. The, the, com- the discomfort of change is now becoming comfortable because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So wow. I think just our instructional practice has been reviewed to determine what's best for students right now. And, and that's not always an easy shift to make when you're used to using a book and now you're using a digital copy or resources online. Yeah. I think the hard part is still the gap between relationships. I think that's yeah. still the hard part, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the <laughs> three of us, I think maybe because we're more mature and I use that loosely for Jeff's sake, we are more <laughs> mature in this room and you know, you yeah, yeah. don't need people present always. It feels better. I would prefer it, yes. but I can still get, I can get by with this. Whereas our students don't know how to handle people and interact all the time. So that is one side that I haven't figured out how to overcome yet, but the instruction we're getting there each day. We're getting better. This school year in 2020 is far different than in March. We are much better than we were. Oh, most definitely. Sure. What
0: about you, Jeff? What are you seeing you know, on your
1: campus?
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I mean, I would, I would have to agree with Adam. And I also think that, um, you know, for the first time I, I probably would have to agree with Adam, but, <laughs> but I also think that, you know, for the first time, you know, we always have said, for I mean, how long have we said like relationships matter and you know, uh, c- connections before content? and yeah. And we really, I, I think I think that people are really coming around to to thinking, wow, that, that really, that really, it's a real thing. Like that's, that's never been more, more serious and never been more necessary right now to understand how kids learn and what they need. And the worst part, um, that, that sometimes you can't do anything about it, right? Sometimes yep. you just can't. And and so that part really bothers me and I don't know what to do about it. And, and um, but I'm, I'm, I'm also hearing a lot of success stories, you know, like, like Adam was saying, you know, like, this is sometimes school just isn't for kids. Like the brick and mortar school isn't for kids. And so we have been forced to look at another route for for certain populations of students. You know, I want to take some of our our alternative programs that you know, we put kids in front of computer screens for a half day and call it an alternative, you know, computer assisted learning environment when when really it's just a credit recovery program and what kind of education is that? Yeah. You know, cuz cuz they just cuz they just want to get out of school. Well, I I don't believe that. I think kids at, at any age can still love school if you if we look at what what they need on a very personal and individualized uh, basis you know, two very different concepts: personalized and individualized. But I, I think that this has forced us to do that. And in addition, it is it has brought about things like like this podcast. You know that this COVID has. And we started this in June, and we started it. Yes, there was there was a there were a lot of conversations over the years about what well, you know what, what could we do with our conversations that we have. You know, and I wonder if other people could benefit from hearing from us. And maybe we should write a book together. And then we said, well, we could do a podcast. You know, because we're what, six, six hours away, five hours away? We could do that. And so stuff like this has come out during the pandemic. And I've heard this from, you know, not just us, not just the Principal Leadership Lab, many other podcasts, Mm -hmm. many books have been written because of the pandemic. So a lot of good, not to downplay it, but a lot of good has come out of it. And I think if we look for those things, if we look for the silver linings, we're going to find them. But if we don't look for them, you're not going to see them.
1: I've been on a, a little bit of a quest as well to review grading and assessment. And I know that if you talk grading wow. instead of a school district, you could get fired. You know, If you're going to change the way you calculate a, a GPA or, or go to the cum laude system or change anything like that, you could be fired by the end of the year. So I, I, it's always a little nerve wracking. But I, again, a positive that has come from this discussion around the pandemic. Is that when kids are quarantined and in Northeast Wisconsin, in your rural Texas and wherever Jeff in rural Northeast or Northern Illinois, yeah. the same thing, you, people don't have access to high-speed internet. So we, we roughly have about 15%. So when you're quarantined and you're at home and you can't access the materials that our teachers have prepared for you, now what? Now it's not equitable anymore. Yeah. So some of our teachers have said to me, what, what am I supposed to do? What can I do for these kids, high school students and middle school students? The middle school teachers are like, oh, I just exempted them, like didn't even think twice about it. And so I talk to the high school people and they say, well, we can't. That's not fair. Well, it's not fair that this student doesn't have Internet and that one does either, but we're going to hold them to the same standard. How about you give them a quiz or a test and and exempt their work from there? And things like that are taking place, whereas if we didn't have to discuss it, it may not have been a discussion at all. Mm. So I, I like those forced conversations that have positive outcomes because yeah. at the center, it's the development of students that we're talking about. So no matter how hard it is to get there, I'm okay with the with the journey. Well,
0: good. I, I would agree that we're having a lot more difficult conversations because of, of this time. People are definitely more open to suggestions and new ideas and being innovative than ever before. And so I would say that's definitely a positive that I'm also seeing. So I love that because, you know, you you guys are talking about equitable practices and Adam, you made a good point of exempting (laughs) projects or assignments or, you know, making it so that everyone has the same opportunity. But let's talk about for the teachers, you know, during the pandemic, this is an extremely stressful time for them and one where mental health is, is becoming an issue because of the added items that are put on their plate every single day. Are there things that you're doing to help so that they aren't burnt out, or are you kind of bending some rules or changing some regulations to to make it a little bit easier for them during this tough time?
1: Absolutely. Uh, some of them are the smallest of changes. Like I can't even think of some of them, but the things that have come back to the office, like, oh, we're so grateful that you did that. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you can leave just leave with the students on Fridays or you know something. But some of the bigger ones, uh, we started by trying to hold. The standards that we have in place, board policy and handbook stuff. And I've never been a big rule follower anyway. Probably the three of us probably never were, you know, podcasters <laughs> and leaders. We all <laughs> right, see right. where we need to get, but we don't always follow the path to get there. And uh, a prime example is I have one teacher in particular who has suffered some health issues and she's going to be fine. So I'm very grateful because she's an excellent educator. And then the pandemic, so she, and you got to know the whole story. So last summer she had a wedding planned Couldn't have a wedding. And then her health issues complicated when, by the end of the summer, when they were possible, able to have at least a group of, you know, whatever number of people attend. So instead, um, we would never allow this in other years, but her life keeps getting slapped in the face, just one life moment after another life moment. And uh, I've agreed to allow her or to actually cheer her on to have her honeymoon, even if it's staying home uh, the week after we get back from Christmas break. So the first week in January. And I don't even know if everybody knows those things yet, but that's like a big no-no in school, right? Don't take a vacation day after the vacation. (laughs) And it may look bad to the community, but when I see this particular individual teaching their heart out, through their own illness in the middle of a pandemic, missing out on their own wedding that, you know, the three of us probably planned however many years ago, mine was 25 years ago this past July. And we had nothing to consider except for our own happiness. You know, the world was our oyster. And I want to be able to make sure that this teacher stays with me. So mm-hmm. if, if that's what I have to, if I have to teach her lessons during that week, I will do that because it is so important to make sure that the mental health of our individuals are, is intact and they're ready to go when students are in front of them and she's still taking the week it's unpaid. So I still feel like you're getting kicked in the pants. Yeah you know, she's very grateful that she has the time to do it. And I'm grateful that I'm doing this under the radar. So hopefully this won't air until after January. <laughs>
2: it's
0: airing in two days, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's funny.
2: Yeah. I, I love those things. Adam. I mean, I think you have to really be really centered on relationships and centered in them and re- be very intentional. And like I mentioned before, looking for silver linings, you also have to be really alert and looking for need, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I mean, we've, team teachers are all uh, either in the building or at home. Our kids have not been back since, since March. Mm So for the last two weeks, our teachers have been home. So it's really been um, difficult. But, you know, our our student services team has put some SEL things together for for staff, checks in on them. I've made personal phone calls to staff, put out a Google form on Friday um, just to check in like, hey, just a couple of really basic questions and also started asking them on that form to, to give someone a shout out, you know, just words of encouragement. And then, um, they put the, who the, the person is that they're shouting out, usually a colleague. And I will go to Walgreens and buy 99 cent candy bars and put those candy bars with a little note in the teacher's mailbox who got the shout out. I'm telling you, I get probably 25 to 30 teachers a week who are on that, you know, um, sometimes less, but I mean, on average, at least 20, 25, 30 teachers on there a week. So. So, you know, I started thinking, wow, I better dip into another budget here because they're, they're, they're loving, they're loving that. But just little things like that, just recognitions, you know, um, staff meetings, either not having them or making sure they're quick because teach, I mean, we're tired at the end of the day, you know, you're on, you're on the computer all day long. You, the last thing you want to do is sit through an hour long uh, zoom staff meeting, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and just sticking to your principles, like your, your principle of, if I don't have any to say, or if what I have to say during a staff meeting can be just emailed out to you, then, I'm, then we're not going to hold an in person staff meeting. You know, those yeah. things are consistent as well, need to be consistent.
1: Our teachers also like to feel supported. And you guys know this too. Your students, they're like kind of like water. Sometimes they'll find the path of least resistance. So if they can say, Oh, I had bad internet connection today, I couldn't get my assignment done. Well, you had bad internet now for three months, man. What's going on? You know, and uh, sometimes our teachers just know that. Hey, I called their parents and guess what? Their son was lying. So they're going to catch up on all the homework this weekend. Mom and dad are handling all the discipline. What do you want me to do? Suspend them? They're already at home. So, I mean, like all of the tools that we have within school, it's been completely creative this year. So knocking on doors, stepping on sidewalks. So Mm -hmm. uh, our teachers want to feel supported during this period of time. And I think that helps with their mental health because they're not alone. They feel like they're not alone. Right, right. Well, that kind of
0: leads me to my next question, which is, and I've heard different people say this in in different ways, from George Kuros to Dave Burgess, but talking about if a kid didn't have to be in their classroom, would they choose to learn from you? And and this is kind of where we're at right now with the distance learning is they don't exactly have to be there. I mean, they can can be in the Zoom, they can turn their, their camera off and potentially just be playing a video game instead of actually being in class. So you know, what are some things that can be done to help steer learning into more of a personalized adventure for them where it's them longing for more versus Mm -hmm. I just have to be here.
2: That, that is a tough one Josh but I love the I love the to think about that phrase and I'm, I'll just say it again like if a, if a kid didn't have to be in the classroom would they choose to learn from you mm-hmm. you know and because they don't right now it, it really goes back to the relationship piece yeah. and Re, Rita Pearson saying you know that, that a kid's not going to learn from you if they don't like you right so you you have to really again focus on building those relationships because one day, they uh, the kids are coming back you know and so our character is really going to be proven right now this is a proving ground for our character if we choose to, to hide and not do anything about it and say this is too hard, people are going to remember that when we come back in person, as opposed to if we do everything possible that we can. I don't have the answer to that question, Josh. I just don't. But I do know that people have to really intentionally continue to focus on connections. And if, if you can sense, if you're a teacher and you can sense in the class one day, you know, that that the content should be put aside and you just talk about, you know, what, what Chad Ostrowski from Teach Better talks about like the 10,000 conversations about nothing, yep. you know, then then do that. Then then do that. I know that's really hard because especially, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of working at elementary, middle, and high school level, leader, leading schools at all three levels. It's really hard to do what I just said at the high school level. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that. At the high school level, if you don't get a certain number of credits, you don't move on to the next next grade level. You just can't. And so I get that content has to be gotten through. But I also will say that if a, if a kid is choosing not to learn from you, then the relationship wasn't there. You, you got to spend a lot of time building that. Yep. And not just not just on the first day of school. So, so. this is a
1: stumper from stamper. This is a great episode. <laughs> I love that. It's a new avenue of your podcast, Josh. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we just got a new bit now. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I love it. I would say the- uh, I love it. I agree with everything that Jeff said, and that doesn't happen all the time. So Woo! let's relish that. The the high school component, the credits, and you know, let's go all the way back to Heritage Elementary School, Jeff. And we've talked about yeah. this before as well. We had a group from Australia provide a staff development on, on how to teach reading and how to score reading. It wasn't going to be on the report card. It was a card, a big card stock, yeah. 11 by 17 card that would follow those students from like first grade all the way on and it had started when I was teaching fifth grade. So I got the first card, first year ever, and there was no more grade. So I would say Jeff was an emerging reader based on these skills that I can observe as the classroom teacher. So why can we do that in elementary school, but I can't do that in high school? Because I guarantee you that my teachers know my students and how they compare to the standards and learning targets and objectives that they're teaching within their classroom and their grade level and their content. But currently, the structure doesn't allow the flexibility for my teachers to do that. And that's where we have that, that shift taking place where teachers feel mm-hmm. uneasy. Their, their discomfort is, is sometimes palatable when, they're, when I'm saying, it's okay, just exempt them from those three assignments. Yeah, but they're at the top of their class well great why would we want to knock them down from the top of the class let them stay at the top of the class but the other kids didn't get that but they didn't need that the other this student needs this right now those did not so it's a it's an ongoing focus on relationships And i think sometimes when we say that they forget that that is a relationship builder that's Mm. you know i think they're thinking always kumbaya let's sit around in a circle and talk about how difficult today was or a good thing that happened today but the relationships happen in the interactions when the dirt and the mud are flying and there's water and you know it's messy that's where the relationship is is cultivated and
0: formed for for eternity (laughs) well and as we all know relationships aren't always easy i mean they're tough you're gonna have up and downs every single day i mean i mean we're all married we all have kids i mean (laughs) relationships are tough and and that doesn't go away with our students and so even though you both said it was a a stumper by stamper i think you both had a great (laughs) piece with the relationship um, that needs to be established from from day one they needed to know that you care about them and that you want what's best for them regardless if it's a tough day or not and yes there is no great answer to that question but uh, but i do love your insight and and the answers that you provided do I get is, credit? Yeah, do, be I get, I do I get a grade <laughs> on that? Do I get a grade on that? But I think that's a good point though. Like right right now we are trying to push a, a circle into a square peg, right? I mean, we have a structure in place that, and and a model of learning that is far different from what traditionally has been built. And so mm. the question is why,
1: right? Why can't we change and make it fit what we're doing right now? Right. I think it all begins, well, it probably begins someplace else, but it can continue on through our undergraduate work as educators. My son is interested in auto and diesel mechanic work, something far different. Like these hands are not hands of blue collar workers. So I appreciate people like my son who want to do that work and understand it. We have a old fixed up truck that he futzes with every once in a while and the serpentine belt has come off. I don't know how to fix it. But you know what I do? YouTube it. Well, he found the diagram on the truck, on the inside of the truck. And he has one last step. He can't, he needs a little muscle and a wrench or something on. So it's nice and snug. But he had a purpose to learn something because he needs to use the truck to do the next thing. So Mm. what's what's the catalyst that we need to create as learners and educators within those classrooms? And that's the hairy part because we have sometimes 25, 26 kids in high school classrooms. And that teacher's going, how am I supposed to do that? And I, I don't know that they even have to. I think sometimes we just have to ask, why do you want to learn this? So I'm telling you why it's important. Why do you think it's important and let them choose. And I think choice is a powerful motivator for learning itself. So mm. he didn't get a grade on that because if he did, he'd fail because he didn't need one. though. He, did, on he, didn't, he didn't need one and he didn't want one. Right. Nope. Nope. I mean, that, really that's, that, that's
2: powerful. Yeah. How do we, how do we do that? You know, yep. that's, that's the, that's the trick.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbetter.com slash now let's get back to the episode
0: Well, gentlemen, I love your conversations. I love having conversations with you, but also you have fantastic pieces that you put out weekly in the principal leadership lab. Mm. I am just a huge fan. I'm honored to be associated with you with the Teach Better Podcast Network. And I know you guys had mentioned it as far as something that was built through COVID, but Mm. I mean, I'd love to hear kind of where that even began. And for those who may even be thinking about like, I want to start a podcast now. You know, maybe i have a story or something to to provide to listeners like where did you even go to even create the podcast and to learn about that i guess it's similar adam to what your son was doing right i mean you guys had
1: a problem and and how did you mm-hmm. solve that yeah i'll start and jeff you just this is the area where you can plug in the truth right <laughs> right you know i will <laughs> So over the last, uh, you know, 25-ish years, Jeff and I have been talking on the phone and we, and you tease it on a little bit in your leadership story that we've always said, you know what, I feel better just hearing it sometimes. So I wonder how many other people would actually like to hear our phone conversation. So then the pandemic came along, we had this opportunity and we, not the opportunity of the pandemic, but the opportunity of time that the pandemic provided. Okay. So I'm at home. I have no more some you know, at that time, you know, in March, I wasn't commuting. So there was no time. So we had time that wasn't available previously and uh, we talked about the book we talked about other options and then we said well let's do this let's just record our conversations so we started to do that and, and then um, I remember, do you remember the the research Jeff like uh, most podcasts fail after seven if you, if you get episodes to eight, yeah uh, yeah I forget where I read that but if you get to seven episodes most people don't go beyond seven so if that's once a week if it's seven in a row the eighth is not usually a something that most people get to out of all of the podcasts that exist so in the beginning i don't know if jeff thought this but i was thinking let's just get to eight and then we'll call <laughs> yeah, it a win yeah, right yeah, yeah. we'll get yeah. there and see what happens but i don't think we feed off of each other so well i don't think there was ever a time during the development of the principal leadership lab where if jeff was feeling a little bit kicked in the pants then i picked it up and vice versa I, at least i'd like to think that so I was concerned when we first did it. It was kind of weird because we were recording our own conversation on Zoom. I felt kind of weird. And then, yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. Yeah, and, it's and then different. we started looking at guests. And it, it's amazing to me how I always thought our podcast would be for listeners. Man, even after tonight. I feel like I got another, not another doctorate. I think I got my doctorate tonight. Every episode is such a learning curve. I can't believe how much more I learn about myself, about the other people I'm, I'm connecting with. So it really became a learning opportunity. And it has blossomed from there. And then some other great relationships. We just released um, an episode with a former student of mine from Heritage. Uh, Jeff didn't have her in class. She ended up uh, dropping out of high school because she had too many absences. They told her not to come Mm -hmm. back. Now, is that not a, that's like the complete irony of going to school. Told her, don't come back. You have too many absences. So anyway, that's a great episode. And uh, it was a great connection. I didn't remember that girl until she messaged me on messenger. And so the principal leadership lab has really provided great learning and great connection. And I would say even invigorated in my my love for what I'm already doing. I already liked it, but I think I have fallen in love with my career all over again. Yeah, man, that's good. That's
2: powerful. I don't even know if I need to say anything. I I don't even know (laughs) if I can follow up with that at all, but except to say that, you know, we always had talked, like Adam said, for the last 25 years um, when we were, you know, especially when he moved back up to Wisconsin and and stayed, we, we thought, you know, we always remained connected on the phone. You know, we'd always call each other and so I, I always knew that, that somebody would, would want to hear, or I hoped anyway, the stories that we had to share. And, you know, it's evolved a little bit into, into more of a, you know, like guest interviews than, than our stories. Um, but I know that somebody wants to hear the time that we went up to uh, camp. We took our sixth graders up to camp and I beat Adam and
0: Broomball on the ice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we are loaded with lies right now. So Jeff, what about the research piece though? Yeah. Where, where did you learn all that? Was there someone that you leaned on?
2: Sure. So so when we got around to finally, you know, agreeing on, you know, like like let's let's start a podcast, you know, and 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 every every lame brain idea that I've had or Adam said, both of us have always said, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's go. Let's let's just try it, you know. So I think Adam, you reached out to AJ Bianco, right? I did, and and just learned from him a little bit, and he was so willing to just share everything that he'd done, all of his trials and tribulations. He even shared his show notes template with us. that we still use today. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean it was just just through trials and tribulations and talking with other people about what kind of mics they use, what platform they they go through. We we decided to go with Anchor as our podcast recording platform and still use Anchor because
1: I, it's it's awesome. Remember we were going to use Audacity. Jeff was familiar oh, yeah, with Audacity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was familiar yeah. with it. We thought we would use it, but we never were able to figure out how to get the audio from me far away or Jeff far away into my system without doing some extra work and we didn't want to do extra work. We wanted to make this something no. that It's time to record. You know, I had a full day of principaling and stuff at home and cooking dinner. And now I'm going to record with Jeff. I didn't want to have to go through half an hour of setup. And mm-hmm. so like he was saying, we had snowball microphones. We've upgraded to um, pile microphones, still very simple USB plug and play. Yep. Uh, there's probably some better options out there for us, but I wouldn't say it. we're not professional yet because we're not getting any money. So we're not professional podcasters.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, nope, but it's but it's as soon as it does, it's kind of like a grade, Adam. And I, I'm wondering, you know, as soon as I have to work for it and get it and and get a grade on it, I might not like doing it as much. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how that's how this got started, Josh, and and yeah. you know how we made some of these decisions on what recording stuff we should do. But all that it was so much fun just to try and figure that out. And in the, in the end, we we do what we're doing right now and jump on a Zoom call, um, re, you know, r- rip the audio from it and upload. It into Anchor and use Canva to create create some great graphics and yep. bombs bombs away.
0: Yeah,
1: Jeff Gargets from Teach Better has been a good resource as well. Oh my gosh, He's been able to uh, you know say yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would do this or have you thought about this and not that. He's been a really good resource for us in terms of equipment and process. There's kind of
0: been a theme through your guys's conversations so far this evening about just how important it is to network and and to have mm-hmm. a, a really strong PLN too. For sure. And I want to highlight, because it's been talked about a couple times, but Jeff, you're actually in the midst of writing a book about becoming principal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I must have started thinking about that, you know, when Adam and I first said, "Hey, maybe we should write a book together." And and little did he know, I was kind of already working on something. But it was always about my leadership journey because everyone who knows me, and you know, from my past life, like my teenager life through early twenties, uh, when they find out what I do now, they they're just they just can't believe it. They, they, and that's for another show. But they just can't believe that I'm in this position, and so I, I you know, I got to thinking, wow, wow this—that's really kind of phenomenal that that I am here you know and so um, I've got some really great stories about my leadership journey and so the working title is is becoming principal um, and I blog about it a little bit but I'm keeping most of it close to the vest right now I went out I spent 10 years in one district is the longest time I ever spent in one district eight of them at a particular elementary school and I went back to I still keep in touch with so many of those kids um, who are a lot of them graduated high school already and this is I've known them since they were in kindergarten, first grade. I went back to them and I created a Facebook group and I said, hey, would you all just share with me some memories of our time together at that school? And I did the same thing for the teachers, with the teachers who were there. And some of them are, a few of them are still there, actually. Most of them are retired. And I said, would you just share with me, it doesn't have to be about me personally, but just what, what are some of your memories of our time there together during that eight years that I was at that elementary school? And so, cause that's really that school. I still attribute, you know, the formation of who I am as a leader to that school, to those kids, to those teachers, to that, that parent community. Uh, I have to, I have to give a lot of credit to that school. They, they really created, that was my first, first principal job. And, um, you know, just, I, I love all of those people and, and they, they form who I am. And so that's, that's what, that's really what it's going to, the title might change, but really the story is about becoming principal and how, you know, why, why I'm here today.
0: It's awesome. Can't wait to read it. Um, Thanks man. Yeah. Now I really have to, now I have to finish it though. Motivation's here, man. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm in the midst of writing my own book. I'm almost done with it. That's right. Um, That's right. I got to get it done by December. So I can definitely feel you on that one. Gentlemen, I... I could talk to you all evening um you guys are amazing i want to end on this though this last question which i i like to ask all my guests which which is for those who are listening if there's one thing they can do tomorrow or next week Mm. what can they do to really impact their leadership journey
1: there are way too many young leaders and i'm talking like young meaning fresh going into a formal leadership position or even young coming from school so either young that you want to refer to them too many people are neglecting uh, a formalized PLN. And if if they're not going to connect with others, what do you do when you're forced into a pandemic situation or even long periods of just Northeast Wisconsin winters, but you're not getting out and seeing people? It's your PLN. Every morning, uh, Jeff does a great job at at providing some motivational messaging in the morning on Twitter. I don't know how many people are, are responding to that, Jeff, but I see it every day. There's you know, I don't know if it's 50 or 60, but it's a lot of people every single day. I'm one of them. When I read his yep. positive posts in the morning, that's the first thing that I see. It's the, it, that's a good thing. And today, uh, Sari, I was talking to Sari on boxer yeah. and I said, Hey, remember you talked about recording and, and, and keeping a, a book of interview questions, either things that you've been asked or that you ask, can you send me a copy of that? Or would you share that with mm. me? Cause I'm, I have some interviews coming up that I, I would like to see to, to freshen up my interview bank." And within minutes. She was responding to me. So these are people from all around the country. Josh Stamper, Jeff Springer, uh, Texas Connection, you know, Adam Welcome. I mean, we can go all around the world and talk about who's in my PLN. And I'm just Adam DeWitt from behind the Cheddar Curtain. So the the digital divide has been flattened when people want to invest in it. So I would say, number one, develop your PLN because you are never alone, despite how you may feel from time to time. That That is so good. And, and
2: I, you know, I have to echo that and, and also say that, you know, I mentioned the imposter syndrome, you know, and so I, I really feel like for the longest time, on, especially on Twitter, you know, or, or any social media platform that you you use. And recently, I've, I've started using Instagram more, but uh, it's always been Facebook. On Twitter, though, for the longest time, I lurked around on Twitter, you know, I would watch what people do. And, and you hear people saying this all the time, you know, and I, I was kind of afraid to jump out there and and afraid that, you know, what if I post something and nobody says anything? It's just dead silent. That, that means I'm an idiot, right? That means that nobody cares what I have to say. And that's that. That's the imposter syndrome creeping in, like like who are you to th- think that you can post something out here and somebody's gonna want to hear what you have to say, right? Um, but I, I think people really need to take more risks and and not worry about what people are thinking because guess what, they're probably not thinking about you. like at least like you think they are, you know, they're probably not thinking that, Oh gosh, did you see what that guy was wearing today? They're probably not saying that that's all in your head. You need to take risks and you need to, to learn from others who have gone before you and and, um, just throw caution to the wind. And if it's on your heart to do something, then you have to do it. Otherwise you're going to live with regrets. And I always tell people that mostly like if they come to me asking for job advice, like if it's on your heart, man, if you're thinking about it, you got to do it because you don't want to go back one day and say like, Oh, what if I had had done that? You know, I don't know. What if you're, you're never going to know now? So you got to Yeah. Got to take some, some risks in life.
0: For those who are looking to build their PLN, how can they
1: connect with you? me twitter is easy i'm on regularly i get the alerts notifications and uh, don't worry about tweeting to me too much because when i want them turned off i can hit the button so <laughs> by all means send tweets to me at a d wit 2 so it's a-d-e-w-i-t-t the number two and then uh, instagram it is yeah principal underscore adam but you'll yeah. find me just principal <laughs> adam you'll find me i'm the good looking one on instagram on twitter you just see my tags <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's great, Adam. And for and for, for me, for, for me, I mean, I'm JD Prickett at, at Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to look up my Facebook, uh, that's Jeffrey Prickett. Jeffrey with only one E, J-E-F-F-R-Y. And that's a whole nother episode too. We'll find out why my mother only gave me one E in my first name. But uh, Jeffrey Prickett on Facebook, I, I post a lot of the same stuff that I post on uh, Twitter and Instagram there. But, you know, message you know, message us, tweet at us. We will respond. Yes. Principal Leadership Lab is on Facebook. That's right. The Principal Leadership Lab is on Facebook and and Twitter. So
0: for the listeners, (laughs) definitely check out the Principal Leadership Lab podcast and connect with Jeff and Adam. These two are fantastic, and when they say that if you reach out, they'll connect with you, that that's the truth. Um, these two are servant leaders, and, and I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight and sharing so much wisdom to the listeners.
2: Gosh, thanks so much, man. This has been just an honor, and I'm so glad to be connected with you here and uh, through the Teach Better podcast network, and just,
1: you know, it's, it's an honor to know you. Thanks for having us thank you very much thanks for your friendship josh and jeff
2: hey you're welcome adam anytime